If we don't have free speech, then we just don't have a free country. It's as simple as that. If this most fundamental right is allowed to perish, then the rest of our rights and liberties will topple, just like dominoes, one by one. They'll go down. That's why today I'm announcing my plan to shatter the left-wing censorship regime and to reclaim the right to free speech for all Americans. And reclaim is a very important word in this case because they've taken it away. In recent weeks, bombshell reports have confirmed that a sinister group of deep state bureaucrats, Silicon Valley tyrants, left-wing activists, and depraved corporate news media have been conspiring to manipulate and silence the American people. They have collaborated to suppress vital information on everything from elections to public health. The censorship cartel must be dismantled and destroyed, and it must happen immediately. And here's my plan. First, within hours of my inauguration, I will sign an executive order banning any federal department or agency from colluding with any organization, business, or person to censor, limit, categorize, or impede the lawful speech of American citizens. I will then ban federal money from being used to label domestic speech as mis- or disinformation. And I will begin the process of identifying and firing every federal bureaucrat who has engaged in domestic censorship, directly or indirectly, whether they are the Department of Homeland Security, the Department of Health, Human Services, the FBI, the DOJ, no matter who they are. Second, I will order the Department of Justice to investigate all parties involved in the new online censorship regime, which is absolutely destructive and terrible, and to aggressively prosecute any and all crimes identified. These include possible violations of federal civil rights law, campaign finance laws, federal election law, securities law, and antitrust laws, the Hatch Act, and a host of other potential criminal, civil, regulatory, and constitutional offenses. To assist in these efforts, I am urging House Republicans to immediately send preservation letters, and we have to do this right now, to the Biden administration, the Biden campaign, and every Silicon Valley tech giant, ordering them not to destroy evidence of censorship. Third, upon my inauguration as president, I will ask Congress to send a bill to my desk revising Section 230 to get big online platforms out of censorship business. From now on, digital platforms should only qualify for immunity protection under Section 230 if they meet high standards of neutrality, transparency, fairness, and non-discrimination. We should require these platforms to increase their efforts to take down unlawful content such as child exploitation and promoting terrorism while dramatically curtailing their power to arbitrarily restrict lawful speech. Fourth, we need to break up the entire toxic censorship industry that has arisen under the false guise of tackling so-called mis- and disinformation. The federal government should immediately stop funding all nonprofits and academic programs that support this authoritarian project. If any U.S. university is discovered to have engaged in censorship activities, 
or election interferences in the past, such as flagging social media content for removal of blacklisting, those universities should lose federal research dollars and federal student loan support for a period of five years and maybe more. We should also enact new laws laying out clear criminal penalties for federal bureaucrats who partner with private entities to do an end run around the Constitution and deprive Americans of their First, Fourth, and Fifth Amendment rights. In other words, deprive them of their vote. And once you lose those elections, and once you lose your borders like we have, you no longer have a country. Furthermore, to confront the problems of major platforms being infiltrated by legions of former deep staters and intelligence officials, there should be a seven-year calling-off period before any employee of the FBI, CIA, NSA, DNI, DHS, or DOD is allowed to take a job at a company possessing vast quantities of U.S. user data. Fifth, the time has finally come for Congress to pass a digital Bill of Rights. This should include a right to digital due process. In other words, government officials should need a court order to take down online content, not send information requests such as the FBI was sending to Twitter. Furthermore, when users of big online platforms have their content or accounts removed, throttled, shadow banned, or otherwise restricted, no matter what name they use, they should have the right to be informed that it's happening, the right to a specific explanation of the reason why, and the right to a timely appeal. In addition, all users over the age of 18 should have the right to opt out of content moderation and curation entirely and receive an unmanipulated stream of information if they so choose. The fight for free speech is a matter of victory or death for America and for the survival of Western civilization itself. When I am president, this whole rotten system of censorship and information control will be ripped out of the system at large. There won't be anything left. By restoring free speech, we'll begin to reclaim our democracy and save our nation. Thank you, and God bless America. Okay, in the entire time, uh, welcome. It is uh, December 15th, 15 December in the year of our Lord, 2022. It's Thursday. Uh, we're halfway through the month, but man, we're into the intense part. You would think people would be able to enjoy the holiday spirit, and we want to make sure everybody does that. But there's intense political fights all over. Um, I want to bring in Darren Beatty, a founder and publisher of Revolver. Uh, a former speechwriter at the White House, but also one of the best thinkers about the First Amendment and everything that's gone on. Uh, Darren, uh, th this was the uh, this was the um, uh, probably the most powerful thing that President Trump has put out, I think, since his uh, since he um, uh, left Washington D.C. This was uh, better than any. Uh, and hey, look, I love the rally speech and everything like this, but this is a very well thought through, tightly argued. Uh, policy position, which everybody's been kind of saying, hey, we need to see more of this. Uh, and we'll talk about the timing and what else is going on and maybe the urgency of this right now. But walk me through it from, because you put a tweet up earlier 
that really sang the high praises of this, and you were not so thrilled about some of the other stuff that went on, which we'll get to in a moment. But I want to know, Darren Beatty's for the audience, explain just what we heard. How important is it, sir? Well, look, without question, this is one of the most powerful, informed, and serious statements on the critical issue of big tech censorship ever given by any elected official. Um, I think it's easily in the top five policy announcements and speeches that Trump has ever given. Um, it's extremely informed. It covers every single important dimension of the censorship issue and adduces a reasonable and realistic policy solution to it. All of the things that we've been talking about here in the war room that Revolver.News has been covering in our investigative reporting from the broader shift to lean on terms like disinformation and misinformation as pretext for censorship and to categorize political enemies as domestic terrorists, Trump used the word exactly. He called out the disinformation journalists and the disinformation NGOs that are trafficking in this type of censorship. Um, there's just so many good things about it from um, calling out the DHS, which we know had this uh, failed disinformation governance board, from calling out the government collusion and pressure on big tech firms to engage in censorship, which is coming out in the Twitter files, to calling out more subtle things that people might not have picked up on, to calling out the universities, which increasingly house that are solely dedicated to building pretexts for disinformation censorship. Organizations like Harvard's Berkman Klein Center, organizations like Stanford's Internet Observatory, um, you name it, there are a bunch of organizations now that serve as sort of adjuncts attached to these universities that are laboratories of censorship with increasing influence. Trump called those things out. This is just incredibly informed, incredibly precise. I love the recommendation of calling on a, I think he said, a seven-year pause if to break the revolving door between the intelligence agencies and big tech. If you worked in the intelligence agencies, if you were a spook, you have to wait seven years until you can cash in and engage in the same type of activities in the private sector. Um, working for the trust and safety departments in big tech. Just every element of this, he called out the shadow banning, the throttling. He covered the fact that they're using different names to justify this. I uh, called on a you know Congress to come up with a comprehensive digital um, bill. Um, there's pretty much, there's no significant aspect of the censorship problem that wasn't covered in this relatively brief speech. And so I was just, floored by it. I was extremely encouraged by it. It's a thing that, frankly, I wish he had given a lot earlier, but for what it is now, it's as close to perfect as I could you know, hope to expect. Um, so I'm, uh, I'm, I'm very, very happy about this announcement, and I hope this portends um, even better and even stronger things in the future. Yeah, no, I think everybody that's that's 
studied this closely and had to live with this were kind of blown away by the, um, you know, by the level of detail and kind of the informed opinion, how he tied together many different strands into really what was an action plan. Uh, I think it, most people would say, oh, well, this was the big announcement and people have been following this and understand how closely did you, do you think, first off, the urgency of the matter, and this is why we're all over this omnibus bill, because you've got to get the hammer of defunding these guys. If you let Nancy Pelosi get a bill that's going to fund the government for another year, you're going to have the biggest tool we can have, bigger than investigations, because investigations take a while, the immediacy being choked down. Do you think that we, and what he laid out here, do we have to January of 2025 to set things right on in, in, on these topics, sir? Well, it remains to be seen. I mean, the recommendations that Trump propounded in terms of using the purse strings as leverage against these organizations from saying, look, if you're in a university, if your university has an adjunct censorship center like Stanford's Internet Observatory or the Berkman Klein Center, you're not going to get federal funding. If you were a federal employee engaged in disinformation censorship, you're done. Um, we're going to hold the purse strings uh, for these specific programs. For NGOs, a lot of people don't understand there's this whole archipelago of non-governmental organization, sort of civil society cutouts that are getting tons of money from our own federal government to shut us up, shut us down, and silence us. And this is really the first and most comprehensive um, speech that I've seen that addresses this in a way that suggests actual knowledge of all of the details involved. That, that's why we got to stop the omnibus. If we stop the omnibus now and kick the appropriations process into January, everything you just talked about you can force the conversation in January of 2023 and not wait to January 2025. The architectonics or the overall architecture what he talked about is plan A, and it's good enough for right now. It's about the execution of that. Signing executive orders on the afternoon of January 20th, 2025, uh, we're not going to be the same country. You have the ability, and this is why we keep you know kind of begging, he's got to get involved in this omnibus because if you shut down allowing Nancy Pelosi to fund, and it's beautifully put, the archipelago of the NGOs just on this topic, but you also have the archipelagos, the NGOs on the border crisis, as the Heritage Guys, Mike Cowan, the Heritage Guys showed. That's why you have to do it now. Your, your, your point is that he's laid out the roadmap, and this he is urgent enough. It's got to be done immediately. Laid this out the roadmap. This is the most... You agree. Yeah. This is, this is the most learned and comprehensive and powerful and prudent statement on the way forward to address the big tech censorship problem. And any elected Republican official in Congress who is not paying attention to this and who is not ready to jump on every single recommendation that Trump just gave needs to be run out of town. This is the model, this is the blueprint. You don't need anything more than what he said. What we need is to implement what he said. Like I said, I, there's off the top of my head, and maybe I'll like look at this interview tomorrow and say, oh, I forgot this. But 
the top of my head, there's no major critical aspect of the censorship problem that was not touched upon in this speech and that was not followed up with a reasonable and powerful policy proposal to address the issue. Yeah, yeah the only, it's not a criticism, the observation I made in the last thing is that it is very weighted still, I think, to the, and, 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 and Congressman Clyde came up with his bill the other day, the government can't do something indirectly that is prohibitive done directly, particularly in the area of speech. Here, you have a lot of the indirection with social media, with the universities, with all that. He did, and maybe right. this is something we do later. There, there, is there any doubt in your mind? I asked Cortez and Seb this on the earlier hour, and they were united. Is there any doubt in your mind, one of the smartest guys in Washington, that would be you, that the intel apparatus that, that you do such a good job of deconstructing over a revolver had a coup against Donald Trump and had him removed from office, sir? No, there's no doubt. And there were many different aspects to this. Many different people have covered all the different aspects, but there was absolutely a big tech aspect to it. Um, there's an antecedent to this. It was called you know, Project Mockingbird of the in intelligence agencies infiltrating the media. The whole disinformation industry is the updated 2.0 digital version of this. And Trump just called it out directly. Um, what it's, it's, it's how high a priority should it be for the Republican Party on Capitol Hill to go to the implement implementation stage on this set of recommendations in this six and a half minute video by the president to immediately effectuate what he's laying out, sir? I think this has got to be right up there at the top alongside getting to the bottom of January 6, which would be a huge embarrassment to the evil and corrupt and illegitimate um, forces of the regime that, again, because both of these aspects are part of the larger story of the regime weaponizing the national security state against us. And Trump just addressed very powerfully the free speech versus censorship aspect of that. Um, and, you know, one reason it's such an important speech in terms of timing and context is that at the moment, with all this amazing stuff going on with Twitter and Elon, I say, and I think it still stands, that Elon has done more for free speech than any elected Republican official. And here we have Trump stepping up to the plate, seeing, seeing what Elon's doing and raising him potentially saying, I'm ready to take this to the next level and I understand the issue. So frankly, I would love to see Elon um, endorse or at least respond to this because this really is the, the most learned um, a statement on the big tech censorship issue by any elected official that I've ever seen. Um. I want to then go to the other part of you and you're, I take it uh, revolvers doing a breakdown, full analysis of this. It'll be up sometime tonight. People can, can read your breakdown. Oh, it's up there right now. I mean, we have a write up on it with the, the most kind of salient aspects of the policy proposals up there, right on the top of revolver news, followed by in the second position. And it's a classic piece that many people have read, but if you haven't, you need to read it because 
it gives you the blueprint for exactly what Trump is talking about. The types of influence operations funded by our government, funded by the UK government and other sort of NATO countries, the types of influence operations that flourished on Twitter that exist precisely to silence, suppress and destroy the energies associated with Donald Trump's victory in 2016. I want everybody to go to Revolver. Let's make sure we get to Memphis so we can get it up in Captain Bannon and uh, and uh, Grace Chung. Let's put it up in all the chat rooms right now, both, both pieces. Um, unfortunately, on something that's this path-breaking uh, and so important and has such gravitas to it, it's not what they're talking about on Twitter. It's not what they're talking about on the Internet. It's not what they're going to talk about on MSNBC tonight. They're talking about another uh, that you handled, I think, pretty well on your Twitter. Can we play? Can Memphis play? Let's start that, and we'll play up a minute or two, and I'll jump in. Hello, everyone. This is Donald Trump, hopefully your favorite president of all time, better than Lincoln, better than Washington with an important announcement to make. I'm doing my first official Donald J. Trump NFT collection right here and right now. They're called Trump Digital Trading Cards. These cards feature some of the really incredible- Okay, I got it. I got it. I can't watch it again. Make it stop. Um, On a day when you have one of the most important announcements about really the coup and about big tech oligarchs involvement in it and what's going to happen and how you're going to clean out this mess. And- the sense of urgency, I think it has to start now. That's why President Trump's got to get engaged in this omnibus, because we have the ability to execute on his plan now, although you don't control the White House, as command by negation with the House and the appropriations bill. This thing comes out, and this is whatever. And they said yesterday was going to be a big announcement. Look, I thought the announcement could be, people were coming to me, is he going to announce for speaker? Is he going to do this? Is Are the things he's going to do? What's this huge announcement? Quite frankly, if they had teased that it was the six-minute video on getting to the on, on free speech and getting to the destroying the ecosystem of lies and misrepresentations, uh, that would have been huge. But we got this. Your thoughts, sir? Boy, I mean, yeah. Um, so I'll just give my totally unvarnished. Uh, opinion on it because you know I love Trump and I love this country and I want Trump in this country to succeed. Um, you know, any other day, it's not like I'm opposed in principle to this kind of stuff. You know, if it were in a vacuum, it would be kind of hilarious, frankly, and maybe even a little bit charming. And that's just his special touch. But the timing of it is really. Um, really unfortunate because again as you you said he was teasing this big announcement and you know to me and i think to a lot of people it seemed like okay the last major thing coming from him was his announcement that he's running there hasn't been much going on since then so he teases this big announcement and you're thinking again you're thinking well is this going to be a vp announcement i think it would have been even better than a vp announcement it were if it were just this amazing policy speech because that communicates to people like I'm back and I'm very, very, very serious. Um, there are just so many reasons that that would have been great to have that as the announcement. And we would have been having this conversation, but it would have ended a little bit earlier. But to introduce the ambiguity there such that 
almost this one of the best policy speeches he's ever given is relegated to a footnote and the headline is this like you know baseball card thing or whatever it is this nft thing it's really um again it's just very unfortunate it steals all of the thunder that he earned and deserved by giving that great policy speech and you know if i didn't know any better i would say the people who are recommending that again it's like i'm fine with him doing the nft thing it's the timing that is pretty disastrous here and extremely counterproductive and if i didn't know any better i would think the people behind the timing on this issue were deliberately you know trying to sabotage Trump. Um, but it's also very possible that they're just extremely stupid because, you know, you and I both know there are a lot of very dumb people, um, unfortunately. And whoever it is, whatever it is, you know, Trump needs to resurrect his old hat, you know, catchphrase, you're fired, get rid of them. And at the other hand, the people responsible for this free speech a message, which was excellent, not only as a matter of policy, but also superb rhetorically. If we don't have free speech, we don't have a free country. Invoking the concept of Western civilization and how important it is to have a free and open um, discursive sphere to, uh, to have a free country. It's just excellent on every level. And to have that tarnished and vitiated where the big announcement is this NFT thing, again, it sounds like, oh, I'm just, you know, being the stuck up one and whatever. I, I think it's hilarious and charming on any other day in any other context, but the timing here to collide with, you know, one of his best policy announcements of all time um, is just extremely unfortunate, extremely counterproductive, and the people responsible, responsible for it should um, face uh, very negative consequences. Okay, I want to, uh, everybody's got to go to Revolver. How do they get there? We got 30 seconds. How do they find you? What are your coordinates? Because this is President Trump's, I think, most important policy announcement in many years, and it's one that people have got to get their arms around. Where do they go? Absolutely. Revolver.news, revolver.news as always. And you know what? Um, what better place to uh, announce in terms of uh, an interview? We're going to do an interview with him, so we'll have a, an opportunity to hash out these issues. So I'm announcing it here in War Room. We've got an interview with Trump. Go to revolver.news. We're going to play a trailer very soon that's very, very cool. Um, and we're only going to discuss the serious stuff. We're not talking the NFTs here in the interview. Darren Beatty, that's the news. Interview with Trump. Short break. Back in a moment. Thanks. Having the ability to censor information and determine what information Americans get to hear, get to see, get to read. This is such a powerful thing. This is such an important thing that we need to be able to send a message to all the social media companies that you are not allowed 
to censor conservative content. And you're certainly not allowed to lie to Congress about it. And if you do, you will go to prison. Jack Dorsey needs to go to prison for this. And I want to see the YouTube administrators. I want to see Zuckerberg. I want to see all these people indicted for lying to Congress because they all have been lying. I want to see this all investigated. I want to see all these people indicted. Their wealth, their fame should not defend them. The Twitter files. Mr. Reagan. All right, before I get into it, make sure that you subscribe to my new channel, Alpha Critic. I'll be reviewing TV shows and movies and stuff that are coming out. And if you don't like that kind of stuff, subscribe anyway. I'm just trying to build up an initial subscriber base. All right, let's get into it. All right, so Elon Musk has put out the Twitter files, finally. The first string of tweets was from Matt Taibbi. And in that string of tweets, Matt Taibbi lays out evidence, proof, that the FBI, the DNC, and the Biden administration... They have all been instructing Twitter on what to censor. Now, this is a problem, guys. This is a problem because the left has been using this argument that, well, Twitter's a private company. They can do whatever censorship they want, which, first of all, I think is total BS. It's based on this law called Section 230 that just gives social media companies the freedom to editorialize content and they cannot be held liable for anything posted on their social media site, which is ridiculous. You can't both act as a publisher and a town square at the same time. Because what does that do that gives you so much power that you can essentially channel whatever information you want to the public if you are as big as Facebook and Twitter and whatnot? I, of course, think YouTube is the biggest problem. Channels like mine being shadow banned by companies like YouTube, to me, this is the worst offender. This is the the biggest problem because a lot of people do get their news, do get their information from YouTube. And somebody like me has got to be able to grow my channel. I've got to be able to grow my channel. And I can't do that with the kind of restrictions that they have at YouTube. So we need to fix this. All right, we're going to get into all this in one moment. First, I have to sell you something. Epoch TV is a censorship-free video platform with original news programs and documentaries investigating critical issues not covered anywhere else. What can you get with Epoch TV? Honest and accurate news analysis and interviews. Tune in to new programs every day from Crossroads, The Larry Elder Show, Facts Matter, and American Thought Leaders on Epoch TV. Get reporting on factual events that you will not find in major news outlets. Award-winning documentaries. Their reporters bring you first-hand interviews and on-the-ground footage of the most critical matters in society affecting our liberties, health, and safety. One of the must-watch documentaries that just came out is The Final War. Join the Epoch Time reporters in uncovering America's biggest hidden threat and the root of the global crisis. If you're looking for an honest and accurate news source, check them out today. Now, I have a special offer for my viewers. Just sign up and start watching. No credit card required. No strings attached. And if you decide to subscribe within the first 14 days, it's just $1 for two months. So go to watchepoch.com slash Reagan and subscribe. That's watchepoch.com slash Reagan. Now, let's go through these Twitter files Matt Taibbi actually said in the beginning of these of the string, this very first string of, of Twitter files, he said that it wasn't just leftists, it wasn't just Democrats that were going in and telling Twitter how to censor uh, or what to censor or who to censor. They also said that Trump was doing it. They said the Trump administration was doing this and Republicans all had access to these same tools. That's the language that he used. And then leftists went on Twitter and they started saying, oh, Okay, so it wasn't just the Biden administration, it was the Trump administration. And when Trump was campaigning to be president in 2020, he was already president. So if the 
Trump administration did any of the censorship, it was illegal because it did violate the First Amendment, whereas Biden's guys doing it didn't because they weren't president yet. They weren't in office, right? You can't violate the First Amendment if you're not actually in charge, if you're not actually working for the government, which, by the way, does set up, to me, a very concerning double standard where if you have two people running for president and one of them happens to be the president, only one of those groups can contact social media and tell them what they want censored and what they don't. Because if the incumbent is telling social media what they want censored, well, then that violates the First Amendment. But if the challenger is instructing Twitter on what they should censor social media companies, then it's not a First Amendment violation and they can work with them and it's fine. That's that's a huge problem. And I think we need to look at, into that a little bit more closely as a society because that's that doesn't work. I don't think that works. But in this case, I, you know, I think it would only ever happen with leftists. But so now I actually retweeted the specific part of the Twitter files in which Matt Taibbi makes the claim that Republicans had the same tools as Democrats. Um, Taibbi wrote, both parties had access to these tools. For instance, in 2020, requests from both the Trump White House and the Biden campaign were received and honored. So I retweeted that with this post, with this post of mine, I, I wrote, the claim that Republicans were also directing Twitter to curtail speech sounds like BS to me. I want to see every instance of this. My guess is that when the Trump administration was consulted, it was only ever for actual national security threats, not to silence critics. So yeah, that, and that was the day that the Twitter files were dropped. That was the very first day, December 4th. And so as soon as I read those, read that tweet in particular, I was like, this seems like some kind of cover-up. I don't know why Matt Taibbi is saying this. This sounds like BS to me. Now, in the third drop, in the third string, where Matt Taibbi again posts a bunch of uh, proof of stuff that happened, uh, that string focused more on January 6th. But in that third one, Matt Taibbi actually, it almost seems like he responds to my tweet specifically. This is the third Twitter drop. This is the 27th tweet in the string. Matt Taibbi writes, examining the entire election enforcement slack, we didn't see one reference to moderation requests from the Trump campaign, the Trump White House, or Republicans generally. We looked. They may exist. We were told they do. However, they were absent here. This is apparently why Matt Taibbi said that these tools were available to both Republicans and to Democrats, because it looks like that when Matt Taibbi was doing this investigation, some of the employees at Twitter told him specifically that Republicans had access to these tools and had used them. That's why Matt Taibbi had originally posted that. That's why leftists all went on Twitter and wrote, oh, looks like Donald Trump's guilty of violating the First Amendment because of that stupid tweet of Matt Taibbi, which misled everybody into thinking that Republicans did it too. In fact, it was reported. I saw it reported everywhere, MSNBC, Fox News, everywhere. But in fact, that turns out not to be true. Matt Taibbi could not find a single incidence of this happening. And and, uh, I don't think he saw my uh, response, but there were other people who also called him out on that, specifically Miranda Devine. She pushed back on this and we're, we're going to see her pushing back on it in a second. And so I, somehow I think Matt Taibbi was like, oh, sh- you know what? Shoot, I put that out there. I thought it was true. Let me back that up with the evidence because I'm just reporting what I was told as opposed to what I've seen, right? So now he goes in and he looks. And so for this third Twitter files drop, he actually tries to back it up and he goes, actually, I was told this. I don't have the proof. I couldn't find proof of that. So maybe that's not actually true. He said they may exist. I couldn't find them. I love that he did that. I love that mea culpa. So hats off to you, Matt Taibbi. That, I respect that a lot, actually. And maybe Elon Musk did pick the right guy for the job here, uh, given that he was able to own up to that mistake. 
Now, now here was my other. This was the. I, I don't. I, I can't find my actual message. I specifically wrote that I think that this seems like a cover up, and the reason I said it seems like a cover up is because in my mind there were clearly critical messages that were missing, either emails into Twitter or internal documents that were missing. And the reason I thought that, that there were files that were missing, critical messages that were missing, is because Matt Taibbi suggested in the first Twitter drop that there was no instruction from the federal government to hide the Hunter Biden laptop story, right? The New York Post Hunter Biden laptop story, to censor that. That's what Matt Taibbi said. He said that he didn't see any messages related to the federal government. Now, that to me seemed very suspicious, so I'm like, there's clearly messages missing here. And then suddenly it's revealed. Elon Musk revealed personally on his personal Twitter account. This was pretty bold of Elon Musk, really, because it, it showed that Elon Musk doesn't have 100% knowledge of exactly what's going on at Twitter still. He said, actually, the guy that was parsing the Twitter files and deciding which Twitter files that Matt Taibbi got to read was none other than James Baker. Now, James Baker was an attorney for the FBI. He then became an attorney for Twitter. And so this whole exercise of Elon Musk to reveal the corruption here, right? This whole exercise was to show that there was some kind of a conspiracy between the federal government, Democrats in the federal government, and Twitter to try to censor conservatives, to try to censor the Hunter Biden laptop story in particular, and to try to help Joe Biden win in 2020. That there was this conspiracy between them, which, again, on, on its own, stupidly, Twitter has the right to be able to manipulate elections, to be able to manipulate information that gets to the American public. But when they conspire with the federal government, then it becomes a violation of the First Amendment, right? Because people in the federal government aren't allowed to do that. And so what it looks like is that James Baker... <laughs> was sitting there going, oh, delete that one, oh, delete that one, get rid of that one. And he was. it looks like he was hiding all of the incriminating evidence to show that connection. Since Matt Taibbi said he, there was no connection, he couldn't find a connection there. It's absurd that Elon Musk is trying to illustrate a conspiracy between the federal government and Twitter to try to suppress conservative content on Twitter. And the guy that Twitter gets to parse this information and expose it to the public, is the attorney who worked for the FBI and worked for Twitter and personally was involved in censoring conservative speech on Twitter. What? That's completely insane. How do you get that guy? How do you get that guy in that position parsing that information? Right. I mean, like, it's as if the LAPD back in the 90s went, you know what? Okay, this woman, Nicole Brown Simpson, has been murdered. Who should we get to lead the investigation on this? I know. Let's get this guy, O.J. Simpson, her husband. He can conduct the investigation. That's perfect. What a perfect guy to lead the investigation on his wife's murder. Uh, no, you wouldn't do that because that would be insane. That's what this is, right? That's what this is. You get the criminal, the guy that's involved in the crime, to, inve to investigate the crime himself, to provide evidence of the crime for the public, for public consumption. I don't know. I don't know whose decision that was. The fact that Elon Musk figured it out and stopped it is, I, I guess, it's good. But like, how does that even happen? Obviously, there's still a lot of degenerate leftist scumbags in Twitter suppressing information and you know manipulating things behind the scenes. And by the way, I am currently suspended for a whole week on Twitter, which I think goes to show that there are still there is still a problem on Twitter, which is 
if you post anything as a conservative that in any way seems to violate the rules, they'll throw the book at you still. You know, you still got a lot of leftist censors there at Twitter that I think need to go. Because what, what happened was somebody had posted a video of some punk completely covered in um, like a mask and everything. You couldn't, tell, uh, you couldn't tell who they were. You couldn't even tell their race, honestly. Like they're completely covered head to toe. And they stole a pizza from an elderly gentleman who was just a pizza delivery guy. He was like in his 60s. The guy, the poor guy was like, had to take a job as a pizza delivery guy. And some punk kid just goes and steals the pizzas from him. Like, what a piece of garbage. So I wrote something about this criminal deserves a beatdown, right? Which is, I guess, is some kind of like idea, like oh, I'm being violent or something like that, right? It, they, they got me on like targeted harassment or something like that. And they said that in the message to me, that they explained their suspension. They said that we want to keep Twitter a place where people feel safe to express themselves. So who no longer feels safe to express themselves? The criminal who is completely anonymous in the video? Like, d- does that guy now think, oh, I can't tweet on Twitter because this guy said that I deserve a beatdown? <laughs> I don't, I'm not that worried about that guy. I don't think that that guy is now afraid to tweet on Twitter. So here's what I think happens still, what happened to me. I think leftists are, are patrolling Twitter and they like to use technicalities to censor conservatives. So they'll see something like I've written there, which is obviously not targeted harassment because the guy's anonymous. He's not a convicted criminal. He's just a, some scummy kid who stole these pizzas and you know got away with it. This, this poor old man was ripped off just trying to do his job. And uh, I made a comment about what kind of punishment I believe that this criminal deserves. And he is a criminal. And so some leftists, I think, saw this and flagged it and said, oh, this guy is trying to incite violence or something, right? Targeted harassment. So then somebody at Twitter saw that and said, yes, this guy is doing that. I'm, we're going to suspend him for a week. Now, do I deserve to be suspended from Twitter for a week for saying that? Yeah, of course not. Obviously not. But the, and so this is why I think you have these leftist activists on Twitter who are still going out and targeting conservatives and trying to get them suspended. And then you've got people at Twitter who are going along with it. Right. And so you still have a little bit of a problem with this kind of I actually think this is a kind of targeted harassment. Right. If you have a leftist going in and trying to get conservatives suspended on technicalities and you have people at Twitter going along with it, that is a kind of targeted harassment. So whoever suspended me at Twitter, you should lose your job. And whoever flagged me on Twitter, you should probably be banned from Twitter because you, you don't want a social media site where there are these trolls going around and just getting people suspended for innocent comments. I mean, that's a pretty innocent comment, I think. I thought it was. Nobody's going to actually go out and commit acts of violence because of what I wrote. Nobody feels scared to be on Twitter because of what I wrote. Incidentally, I got suspended from Twitter just recently for posting somebody's profile and saying, this person is a fan of Pete Buttigieg. And I thought that that was kind of weird that somebody would be a fan of Pete Buttigieg. Like, I'm like, that's so weird, right? I, I was trying to ask people if they thought that this was a legitimate Twitter user or if it was some kind of bot or maybe like somebody that was involved in Pete Buttigieg's camp, judge's campaign. Some people suggested it was Pete Buttigieg himself. (laughs) I suggested it maybe it was Pete Buttigieg's mom, right? It was like, we were kind of joking around about it. Nobody said anything nasty about this person. Nobody, I just thought it was weird that there was a Pete Buttigieg fan that existed. I thought that was a weird thing. And I got suspended for that. I got suspended for posting this guy's profile and saying, 
oh, look, it's a Pete Buttigieg fan. That To me, that's like crazy. So obviously I'm being hunted by these leftists who have figured out that I'm a conservative and they want to try to get me suspended and people at Twitter are going along with that. So Twitter still has problems. It's not perfectly sorted out. So now, like I said, Miranda Devine has been pushing back on this and saying that, you know, the, the FBI was in fact involved in instructing Twitter about the Hunter Biden laptop. And in fact, I believe that the name of the FBI agent who has been meeting with Twitter was released. It was this guy, Elvis Chan, and he would meet with this uh, Twitter trust and safety guy named Yoel Roth. Miranda Devine has exposed all this stuff through her reporting really brilliantly. It was pretty obvious that the Twitter files that had just been released were missing a crucial element, and that was the FBI. So, you know, we surmised that somehow Elon Musk had redacted it or... Uh, someone had withheld the information about the FBI's May, may, may I ask you to pause right there, Amanda? Miranda, you were the only person who said that, actually. It wasn't me, it was you. You were the first person who took a look at those documents and you said, someone has taken out the incriminating stuff. And I think you were the only, the only person to catch that. So I just think you deserve credit for it. <laughs> Thanks. Well, so the FBI, we knew, had pre-bunked uh, to the social media uh, platforms our story. Before it came out, they told them to expect a uh, pile of Russian disinformation and Twitter was told by the FBI, we know from Yoel Roth, to expect that it uh, would be in October and would probably refer to Hunter Biden. So we knew that there had to be something about that at Twitter and yet there wasn't in the Twitter files and it was pretty obvious who was suppressing that information? Who was the person with the biggest motive? It was Twitter's top lawyer, James Baker, who, as you just said, had been the top lawyer at the FBI, the quarterback of the uh, FBI-Russia collusion uh, right. scandal. Um, and he had had to leave the FBI because of that. And lo and behold, he shows up at Twitter five months before the 2020 election. And lo and behold, one little element did come out in the Twitter files Friday night. It was this one email uh, that had the date and time removed from it very peculiarly. But it was from James Baker and it was uh, weighing in on the decision on the morning of October 14, 2020, a few hours after our story uh, came out. Um, and there was James Baker weighing in on the side of censorship. No surprise. Amazing. And, and as you said at the very outset, this is not just a story about free speech on social media. This is a story about the corruption of the FBI, federal law enforcement. Uh, and you were absolutely right. Miranda Devine, and, vindicated once again. And Tucker, look, yeah, Elon Musk needs to let all the information out, let us all see it. No, no more of this right. curating and holding back. No, it's ridiculous. I appreciate it. Thank you, Miranda. Now, I do want to say that Miranda Devine was not the only person to challenge this idea that there was no interaction between the federal government and Twitter here with regard to the Hunter Biden laptop story. I, I too, pushed back on this and I, and I said, look, there is definitely some critical messages missing here. So that was obvious even to me. I just want to point that out. That it wasn't just Miranda Devine. And Miranda Devine, I will say, is a better reporter than I am. And she's just phenomenal and has done all this reporting and stuff. So all the credit is due to her. But the, the reason I mention it, one, is because I'm an egotist. And two, because it was obvious to me as well. And I didn't do this reporting. I didn't even know that there was this weekly meeting between Yul Roth and uh, Elvis Chan, the, the FBI agent. This was all reported by Miranda Devine. And uh, she really knows what's going on here. 
Jim Jordan said that he is going to try to hold a congressional hearing and question Elvis Chan about this and get to the bottom of it. Here's one, here's one question I have. This Elvis Chan, a guy who was working at the FBI, who was doing these weekly briefings in the run-up to the 2020 election, I want to talk to him and ask him, did you talk to Jim Baker? You're out there in San Francisco and Northern California. Did you have meetings with Jim Baker? Did Jim Baker get a readout of what you messages and, and information you convey to Twitter and other uh, social media platforms? I think that's a great place to start. We're going to okay. talk to Elvis Chan. We've sent a letter to the Justice Department asking to talk to him. When we get in the majority, okay. I think we'll you have know, that opportunity. Now, will he actually do that? Will this? Will they be able to get to the bottom of it? I don't know. Will anyone be held accountable? I highly doubt it, especially not with the Joe Biden DOJ in charge. Now, let's move on to the second string of Twitter files. This is from uh, this is dropped by Barry Weiss. This is to do with shadow bans. Now, this this is actually a rather critical release of documents. I, I believe for one reason more than any of the other reasons. I mean, for a lot of reasons. I mean, one, Twitter was just like lying to the American people forever. The, the sixth tweet in this particular string, it said, Twitter denied that it does such things. In 2018, Twitter's Vijaya Gaddy, then head of legal policy and trust, and Kayvon Bikepoor, head of product, said, we do not shadow ban. They added, and we certainly don't shadow ban based on political viewpoints or ideology. Well, they were obviously doing that, and it's all here in this second string of Twitter files. And so, yeah, I mean, it's bad that Twitter was lying to everybody in America, and we can kind of like figure out what to do with these people. I don't think we can do much, but uh, here's the real problem. Here's the real problem. Jack Dorsey testified before Congress that Twitter did not discriminate against conservatives. I want to read a few quotes about Twitter's practices, and I just want you to tell me if they're true or not. Uh, social media is being rigged to censor conservatives. Is that true of Twitter? No. I don't know what Twitter is up to. It sure looks like to me that they're censoring people and they ought to stop it. Uh, are you censoring people? No. Twitter shadow banning prominent Republicans. It's bad. Is that true? No. So just, just for the record, uh, since you've been singled out as a social media platform before this committee, uh, Twitter undertook no behavior to selectively censor conservative Republicans or conservative voices on your platform. Is that correct? Correct. But since these Twitter files were dropped, we know that this is clearly a lie. So Jack Dorsey lied directly to Congress multiple times. Now, some people are saying, well, Jack Dorsey actually didn't know that much. No, no, it was Jack Dorsey's company. He hired Vijaya Gaddy. He hired all of these people. Joel Roth, he hired that guy. All right, so he hired all these leftists. He created these different departments specifically to censor people. If Jack Dorsey didn't know, which is total BS, he's still responsible for what happened. He's still responsible for, for knowing that stuff. He didn't go to Congress and say, I don't know. That's not what he said at Congress. He said, no, we do not discriminate against conservatives. Now, so what is the consequence of this? I, I looked it up. You can go to prison for lying to Congress. You can go to prison. Okay. Now, of course, they have to prosecute you for this, um, which they won't. But I think that they should. I think that they should. And this is my argument. These guys are incredibly powerful, incredibly powerful. Having the ability to censor information and determine what information Americans get to hear, get to see, 
get to read. This is such a powerful thing. This is such an important thing that we need to be able to send a message to all the social media companies that you are not allowed to censor conservative content. And you're certainly not allowed to lie to Congress about it. And if you do, you will go to prison. Jack Dorsey needs to go to prison for this. And I want to see the YouTube administrators. I want to see Zuckerberg. I want to see all these people indicted for lying to Congress because they all have been lying. I want to see this all investigated. I want to see all these people indicted. Their wealth, their fame should not defend them. Now, maybe... Now, maybe if my little fantasy here comes true and they're indicted and they're found guilty, maybe they can get a reprieve if they become transparent about their shadow banning and their biased treatment of conservatives and they don't do it anymore. And we have the receipts for this, right? We have evidence that they have not been shadow banning and they haven't been biased against conservatives. If they fix their platforms, maybe we'd not, we, we don't send them to prison. But that should be the consequence of this. Now, from what I understand, this can't happen, right? This can't happen. These people can't go to prison. They won't even be indicted. Why? Well, because even if Congress had the cojones to, to bring them in, to indict them, to try them for these crimes, for perjury, essentially, lying to Congress, they would be tried in Washington, D.C. And apparently, this is, this is so messed up, but apparently if you're a Democrat and you get tried in Washington, D.C., because the place is so dang left-wing, you will never be convicted. No jury in D.C. will ever convict you because they're all Democrats. And it's basically all controlled by the Democrat Party over there, that the courts are. So, and that obviously needs to be fixed. You cannot have, a, have the capital city in the United States of America be made up of people that are so ideologically left-wing and controlled by one political party. You can't get justice. Like, how is that okay in this country? I mean, it's like we live in the Soviet Union I mean, it's completely insane. So I get, apparently the only recourse we have, and this is something that obviously needs to happen, is a repeal of Section 230. And I do not know how they're going to be able to get that done, given that we only control Congress right now. Section, Section 230 must be repealed. Now, maybe there could be a, a challenge to 230 on constitutional grounds, like maybe we could get it to the Supreme Court and get it repealed that way. I don't know, but somehow 230 has got to be repealed. Now, what's 230? 230, as I mentioned earlier in the video is a law that was passed by Congress that basically gives social media companies immunity to litigation. They can't be sued for anything posted by anybody on their sites. They also have the ability, they have the, the right to censor any content that they don't like. And like I said, this has given these social media websites so much power, unbelievable amounts of power, so that they can just channel whatever information they want to the American people and they can hide whatever information they want from the American people. So they obviously pump out leftist propaganda and they hide anything that a conservative says, no matter how true it is, no matter how important it is, doesn't matter, it's all hidden. So these leftists, they just have this unbelievable amount of power and what are we doing about it? We're just, we're just sort of like letting it happen because of the Section 230. It's so stupid. Repeal 230. That's what needs to happen. And look, you know, the, the truth is the Twitter files aren't like a huge surprise to any of us who followed this. We knew from a long time ago, Project Veritas came out with a video many years ago um, exposing the concept of the shadow ban, right? The shadow ban was originally brought to, exposed and, and brought to the attention of the American people by Project Veritas. So, you know, I mean, they, they've done such great work, Project Veritas. It's amazing, actually. One strategy is to shadow ban so that you have ultimate control. The idea of a shadow ban is that you ban someone, but they don't know they've been banned. 
because they keep posting, but no one sees their content. So they just think that no one's engaging with their content when in reality no one's seeing it. I've heard talk that it's a good thing because they'll use it to ban like Trump supporters mm -hmm. or conservatives. So I didn't know if like that's just a rumor or if that's true. That's a thing. That's a thing? That's a thing. And like I said, there's there's still people at Twitter who are censoring conservatives, suspending accounts. My account just got suspended. Now, so what what's the answer to this, the, the temporary answer? Well, Elon Musk has said that he believes that the shadow bans that they conduct on Twitter should be made transparent, transparent, uh, and that we'll be able to appeal the shadow bans that are put on our accounts. Okay, that's that's a nice little step forward, I guess. But how about this? How about we just stop with the shadow bans? Why are we shadow banning people? Like the people who are bad enough that you'd want to shadow ban them, why wouldn't you just ban their accounts? Why would they be shadow banned? Like there should be no shadow bans. Like why should my re reach be limited? Because like what? Because I'm a conservative? You know? I don't understand. Like why are we even leaving the shadow ban option available? I don't understand that. The other thing that I want to see is a release of the blacklist because I think I'm probably on a lot of them. So I want to, I want to find out. I want lists made of everybody who has been shadow banned on Twitter and for how long they've been shadow banned. And I want them that put into some kind of a database that is searchable that I can go on and I can find my account and I can find out how long and what methods were used to shadow ban me. That's what I want to see. So, I mean, hopefully Elon Musk does that. I don't know if he will, but it seems like he's trying to be a lot more transparent. So I'm kind of happy about what's going on, but you never know what's going to happen in the future. And I, again, I don't necessarily think this has ended up being as positive a thing as I wanted. I'm, I'm very happy with everything that's happened since Elon Musk has taken over Twitter. But like the reason I was excited about it was because I was hoping that once Elon Musk exposed a lot of the shadow banning and the blacklists, that it would stop companies like YouTube and Google and Facebook from doing it because they would be shamed. There would be public outcry and they would be shamed into releasing their own shadow bans. I know that was like a little bit optimistic, but... It doesn't look like that's going to happen. What it looks like it's going to happen is that Twitter's going to be fixed and none of the other social media sites will be fixed. Sad, but true. Going to release another video coming up here on why I think all the left-wing celebrities are leaving Twitter. And it's not just for the reason that you think. I think it's because of a much bigger cultural problem that we have here in America. Be sure to subscribe to my new YouTube channel. It's called Alpha Critic, where I look at all the new media that's coming out, all the new movies and TV shows, and I give my opinion on that stuff. So subscribe to that. That's all for this show for today. And remember, it's not that a liberal friends are ignorant. It's just they know so much that is not so. Good night. What is fascism? Fascism is private ownership, private enterprise, but total government control and regulation. Well, isn't this the liberal philosophy? The conservative, so-called, is the one that says, less government, get off my back, get out of my pocket, and let me have more control of my own destiny.
Alright everybody, today is our meeting with the FBI. Uh, hey guys, this is George from the FBI. How is everyone? Hunter! Hunter! Stop! Hunter, put that down! Bad! Bad Hunter! Down! Down! Sorry about that, guys. Uh, so... I am here to warn you that... There's going to be some serious misinformation this election cycle. Oh, goodness, no. Yeah, no, I know. Uh, specifically, you're going to want to keep an eye out for stuff about uh, Hunter Biden. Smoking crack. That's going to be be a lot of misinformation about that. That's just horrible. Oh, yeah, no, terrible. And Hunter, what are you doing? Hunter, are you insane? You maniac, stop! What is wrong with you? Oh. Hey, hey, guys, uh, there's, uh, gonna be misinformation that he set the curtains at the White House on fire. Uh, no clue why people are saying that, but be prepared for that leak as well. Oh, fire, man. I can't believe people would spread such misinformation. Yeah, no, 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 it's a post-truth era. Oh, oh. <laughs> Information that he shot a hooker. Hold on, I gotta go. Wow. So much to be on the lookout for. How shameless is the right wing? Uh, hey guys. There's gonna be some serious misinformation that a hunter burnt down a Baskin Robbins because they didn't have his favorite flavor of ice cream. I want to jump the cherry, man. That's not a flavor. I told you that's not a flavor. Three people are dead, Hunter. Is what the right-wing misinformation machine might say about the situation. That's very specific misinformation. Yeah, yeah. You, you never know what those Russians are going to come up with. We'll do everything we can. Help! Help! I gotta run. Matt, stay where you are! Thank goodness we have men like him on the line, stopping disinformation from reaching the masses. We are forever in his debt. Hey, guys! Um, there's gonna be a lot of misinformation about Hunter crashing his car into the chimpanzee enclosure at the zoo, freeing them to wreak havoc on the other animals and the families here. But just... You got money, man? Hunter, Hunter, it's me! Stop, Hunter! Ah! Oh, me. We'll be sure to keep our eyes open for that. Misinform my family that I love them. I'm sorry, but misinformation is against our policy. Whoever this is, I'm gonna find you and kill you. Or my name isn't Hunter Biden. Well, thank goodness we had the proper warnings to stop that from spreading. So that's it. We've got to censor all the Hunter stories. It's the only way to protect democracy. Become a member at freedomtunes.com for exclusive cartoons.